Misfits, welcome to Refuge Church Podcast. Pastor Nicole here to introduce you to our new series on Lent. Over the next few weeks, we're going to uncover the beauty to be found in this liturgical practice, focusing on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, so that we can refocus on Jesus in real practical ways to make room for Him in our daily lives. Are you ready to join us as we dive deep into prayer and fasting? and learn to discover how truly nourishing these things can be to our spiritual lives. So today as you listen, would you take inventory of your heart, your mind, and your life, and look for those distracting things that steal your attention and focus from Jesus. Thanks for listening, and here's our first week on Lent. What is Lent? Nicole, for those of you who don't know me. Tonight we are starting a new series. And Brian made a comment last week that if you didn't like our refocus series, that like, don't worry, you're in luck, we're starting a new series. And I chuckled to myself. I was like, because they, I don't think anybody in the room knows we're going to be talking about Lent and fasting. So if you didn't like refocus, you're really not going to like this one. I'm just going to just be honest with you. So just don't leave um, yet. It'll hurt my ego, but maybe not come back next week. I don't know. But (laughs) so Lent, we're talking about Lent. Um, And so if you didn't grow up in church or if you did and you're just not really familiar with these churchy words, I wasn't for most of my life. I didn't, we didn't follow the Christian calendar. We didn't do these liturgical things. So you're probably sitting there thinking, why on earth are we going to be talking about that fuzzy stuff in our pockets that I clean out of my dryer that never seemed to get off my black pants? You know, why are we talking about Lent? Well, it's a good question. Man, this is going to be a long night. So a four-week series on Lent, although I'm joking right now, I think Brian and David and I, I think that we could do it. So your challenge, uh, first challenge for tonight is to write down one word on a slip of paper, and instead of your connect cards, put it in the red box. And the teaching team... We're going to take that one word and we're going to build a whole sermon series out of it. So we're going to whose line is it anyways the rest of the year. So do do your best. So anyways, okay, that's enough jokes. Lint is serious business. It gets stuck on everything. Okay, is it, are, are the jokes bad? Is the, de- is the delivery bad? Or is it just a combination of the two? Because I'll just, if it's both, I'll just keep moving forward. So it's going to be both. Okay, so that's the last one. I promise we're going to be talking about Lent, L-E-N-T. Like I said, I didn't grow up practicing Lent. I didn't grow up observing Advent. These are two holidays, two things on the Christian calendar that um, are practiced. They're liturgical. And Lent is another Christian holiday, a Christian celebration. And like Advent was a preparation and expectation of the birth of Christ and training and preparing our hearts for his return, Lent Lent is similar, just a little, a little less happy, feel-good, fun times. Lent, it comes from an old English word, Lincoln, which means springtime, 
right? Good start. Spring, everybody loves spring, especially if you're from up north. Winter's over. Spring is coming. And Lent is kind of like a spiritual spring cleaning. Yeah, a little less fun. Nobody, nobody really likes to clean. And just like spring is about renewal and growth in nature, Lent, and for whoever participates in it, is about growth and renewal and cleaning and inventorying our hearts and our, our mind within this spiritual growth. And we've spent six weeks on refocus, talking about different aspects of our lives, physical health, mental health, relationships, stewardship. And we kind of looked at the big picture of putting Jesus at the center of all of those things. And now with this, we're going to be moving into a more narrowed focus version of, of, uh, of that, kind of put into practice what we taught last series. And for refuge during this Lent season, we're going to be taking all those tools, all that information, and we're going to refocus and reset and take inventory and spring clean and really evaluate what's important in our lives. With Jesus at the center, refocused on him with our heart, minds, and eyes fixed on Jesus. So we've got Lent as a liturgical Christian practice on the Christian calendar. It's observed in springtime, growth, renewal, dead things coming back to life. Lent is usually the 40 days before Easter leading up to the resurrection. Lent is uh, 40 days, and it starts on Ash Wednesday, and it ends on the Saturday, or, yeah, the Saturday before Easter Sunday, so that's going to be our Easter celebration, March 30th. That's when Lent ends, and 40 days is significant because for a few reasons. One of it is that it mirrors Jesus' time in the wilderness after his baptism before he began his ministry, so he went into the wilderness, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And all throughout scripture, numbers are significant. 40 is significant. Numerology is actually a big deal in ancient texts. Numbers are like Easter eggs hidden throughout scripture. It's got to be the delivery. Is it just a li- delivery's got to be cuz Easter eggs, East I don't Am I, are they too smart? Are the jokes too high level? Do I need to bring it down a, like a little bit, like some slapstick comedy? Is it just, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're idiots. <laughs> there we go. Okay. You're laughing now. I feel good now. All right. <laughs> I'm so fired. All right. So when we see the number 40 in scripture, when we see, um, The number 40, uh, there are numbers all throughout scripture, 7, 12. They carry a a heavier weight. They carry a significance and a meaning. And for 40, it carries the weight of trials, preparation, testing, and refinement. That's what Jesus went through in the wilderness. He went through a time of testing and adversity that he overcame in the wilderness. Two great sermons from our synoptic gospel series on the temptation of Jesus. Go check those out. But this 40 days, it mirrors Jesus' time in the desert. And Lent calls Christians to a 40-day period of self-examination, refocus, repentance, and reflection on our relationship with Jesus. So we're taking the bigger pictures from physical, mental, mental health relationships, our stewardship, and like I said, bringing it into a more focused view and living intentionally and putting in some intentional work. Lent offers us the opportunity for spiritual growth and renewal By intentionally setting aside time for spiritual practices that are meant to deepen our relationship with God. So these spiritual practices that we practice in Lent, there are three of them. Fasting, prayer, and my favorite, almsgiving. 
I know, a weird word, right? Almsgiving. Does anybody know what almsgiving is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure do. Great. So it's out to us. Okay, I'm going to tell you anyways so you don't need to answer out loud. But it's a weird word. I even felt a little weird saying it when we were preparing for this series, talking with the teachers. I kept saying almsgiving, and I'm like, this is really weird. But what this word means is it's charity, acts of mercy, acts of service. It's giving to the less fortunate. It's kindness, empathy, solidarity, and standing with the marginalized. Almsgiving is essentially good stewardship of all that we have received. Almsgiving is intentionally living out our faith in very practical ways, turning away from selfishness and sin and turning towards loving God and loving others the way Jesus commanded us to do. Giving of our time, talent, and our resources, putting into practice the stewardship Brian talked about last week, exercising gratitude for all that we have received, not achieved. It's almsgiving is meant to prepare our hearts for the celebration of Easter by aligning our actions with the values of the kingdom of God so that we, in a small way, can bring a small piece of God's kingdom to earth. Matthew 6, 1 through 4, Jesus says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attentions to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything you do will reward you. And I'm not going to preach much more than that because Brian did a beautiful job last week talking about our stewardship and our time, talent, and resources. So go listen to that too. More shameless plugs. But the selflessness of almsgiving goes hand in hand with the self-inventory we work through through the prayer and fasting that we do during the Lenten season. So almsgiving, prayer. Prayer is another uh, practice in Lent. Prayer is just a practice that we do as Christians. But I think that prayer is very easy to discount the power of prayer for a lot of reasons. One of those reasons is skepticism. If your brain works more rationally or logically or even more scientifically, it's, even, it's easy to push prayer aside as superstitious or wishful thinking. I work in medicine and ICUs with, uh, after uh, traumatic accidents, suicide attempts, drownings, heart attacks, seriously, seriously sad cases from the NICU to the nursing home. And it's easy for healthcare workers and for anybody for that matter, it's not, it's not uh, specific to healthcare workers, but it's easy to see that kind of stuff and to become skeptical of the power of prayer, skepticism is normal. Negative experiences in the church or with prayer is normal. Disappointments to unanswered prayers or not getting what we want, right? Like that's discouraging. And when we pray so much and we don't get the answers we're after, we can become disillusioned with prayer and stop believing in its effectiveness because it's not producing the outcomes we want it to produce. 
abandonment. If you're in a rough season of life, it's easy to feel abandoned by people and by God, and it's easy to lose faith in prayer, and it's easy, even easier to lose faith in God and go into a crisis of faith, which leads to doubt, questioning, struggling to find meaning and purpose in your life, let alone meaning and purpose in prayer. Does it mean anything when I pray? Is anybody hearing it? Is it significant? Does it do anything? You might very well believe in the power of prayer, but are busy demanding distracted lives, living in demanding environments, feeling busy, overwhelmed, burnt out. Prayer starts to rapidly fall down the list of priorities in our daily life. And religious trauma, we're a refuge here for people who have been hurt by the church. And if you've grown up and you've had bad experiences with organized religion, it's easy to reject prayer because it's associated with such difficult and traumatic events. And I don't want to discount that at all. There's a therapeutic, uh, a therapeutic technique that's called EMDR. Very effective. And what it is supposed to do is it's meant to like simulate REM sleep and trick your brain that you're going into REM sleep because REM sleep is where you process things. That's where you start to process days and things you've been through. And so in EMDR and therapy, you trick your brain that you're in REM sleep so that you can process traumatic events in your life. It's very effective to work through trauma. I had a therapist one time wanting me to work through some trauma and go through EMDR to find the traumatic incident that made me gay. And so <laughs> that's funny to you? <laughs> All the jokes I've told and that's what makes you laugh? <laughs> Man, jeez, bearing my soul out to you people here. <laughs> So that's what we were working through, that we were trying to pinpoint the traumatic event. (laughs) And in doing so, because there was no traumatic event that caused it. I mean, I was dropped on my head a lot as a child, but I don't think that that did it. So rather than fixing a traumatic event, it actually put me in a very traumatic situation, so much to the point that I cannot do EMDR. My current therapist is wanting to get to a point to where I can work through it to go, because I have a lot of other traumas unrelated to my sexuality, but my therapist wants me to work through those, but it's not a tool I can use because of the trauma that I've associated with it. And the same, I believe, goes for prayer. But with that being said, I want you to hear me and really listen, is sometimes we have to pray our way through the pain to reach the effectiveness of prayer. Now, I can avoid EMDR and my therapy sessions all that I want, but if I don't come face-to-face with the difficult task of going through it, I'll never truly heal. I'll never truly learn how to deal with traumas that have happened to me. And so I'm not telling you, hear me out, I'm not telling you to forcibly walk through traumatic events, but we do sometimes have to face it. But it is a process. It is a journey. It's on your timeline. Healing is not prescriptive. It's not you have to heal this quickly, this fast. If you want to attend refuge and be a Christian, you have to have all of these things figured out. It's your journey. But it cannot be avoided. Mental health corner closed. 
And I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to keep deep diving into previous sermons. Go listen to my mental health sermon. I talk a lot about how prayer can help us there. But there is a quote that really stands out to me that I've seen on Facebook. And, you know, Facebook is Facebook, but sometimes it's true. But I've seen this image on Facebook. It says, prayer doesn't change God. It changes us. And Jesus says this about prayer in Matthew 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. See, even Jesus didn't like the religious people either. He calls them hypocrites three times in this passage of scripture. He said, don't be like them. They love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. And this is where skepticism and church trauma can come from, is seeing people use ritual and showmanship instead of genuine communication with God, distorting it for their own own game. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything, will reward you. Those private, intimate moments with no distractions, alone with Jesus to reclaim the power of prayer. During Lent and fasting, our prayer life is deepened by pushing us to refocus our hearts and minds on Jesus, removing distractions as we draw closer to his presence. When we're fasting, our prayers become our pursuit of God. Our prayers become our pursuit of God. We become aware and recognize our deep need, our deep dependence on God, seeking and pursuing his guidance and his will and his purpose for our lives. Prayer plays a key role in our spiritual journey through Lent. It deepens our relationship with Jesus. It helps us pursue God It helps us reflect on and enjoy his grace to celebrate. It aligns our hearts and our minds and our eyes on Jesus. And it's that renewal and that transformation that comes in the springtime. Renewal so that we can seek to embody God's love, God's compassion, God's empathy, God's kindness in this world and bring heaven to earth. And finally, the moment you've been waiting for, fasting. So I bet you're so excited. The the worship team was like they like gave me like this whole spiel. Like I can't fast because I might look glycemic and it's not healthy. And look, I'll get there. All right, I'll get there. So what is fasting? It is intentionally. This is the theme for 2024. Is intentionality, living intentionally. Fasting is intentionally abstaining or refraining from consuming food or engaging in specific activities for a set period of time. Why? Why do we fast? Why why are we talking about it? Fasting is an act of self-denial that draws us closer to God. It brings us to a place to where we realize we absolutely need him and are totally dependent on him. It hones in our focus as we pursue his guidance, we pursue his forgiveness, we pursue his renewal and his purpose and will for our life. Matthew 6, 16 says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious like the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair. Wash your face. Maybe do that while you're not fasting also. Just this this little side tip for for you to comb your hair, wash your face. 
And then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. Jesus teaches us about fasting. And like I said, he goes hard for the religious. He calls them hypocrites three times in this passage because of how they've twisted the good news, how they've twisted these practices to prop themselves up and to make them look good. When all of this, Lent, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting, it's about our attention and our focus on God. Fasting is intentional. It is an intentional expression of our worship to God. Willingly sacrificing some sort of physical or creature comfort in an effort to pursue the presence of God. Intentional prioritization of our relationship with Jesus. Intentionally setting aside distractions, idols, time sucks, so that we can refocus on Jesus. When we are intentional in this practice, we become open to deeper communion with God. We understand his will. And even though there's a crap storm going on around us, we can feel God working. And with everything, Jesus tells us that our fasting, our prayer, our almsgiving, all of it should be genuine, honest, and vulnerable. Not to be the most holy, not to earn God's favor, because it's all, that favor has already been received. It's not something that we can achieve. So it also means taking inventory of our motives, fasting from sinful attitudes, sinful thoughts and behaviors, gossip, judgment, complaining, anger, materialism, doom scrolling, being refocused with eyes fixed on Jesus. Like the worship team yelled, okay, Nicole, but it's 2024 and fasting isn't healthy for everybody. Like I said, I'm hypoglycemic and I need to eat every two hours or I could pass out and science can prove that we shouldn't be fasting because you can die without food or water. So thank you, Nicole. Good job. A plus, but mm, not for me. And you can take, you can, you can, if that's what your takeaway is, you can leave tonight, but let's look at Matthew six again and look at Jesus's words. In verse 2, he says, when you give to someone in need. In verse 5, he says, when you pray. In verse 7, again, he says, when you pray. And in verse 16, he says, when you fast. And so, sure, you can write it off as an ancient practice for Pharisees and disciples and even for Jesus before he went into ministry. But personally, I believe that there is weight in the words Jesus spoke. If they're in red letters in your Bible, I believe they're kind of important. So when Jesus says, when you, instead of if you, he is telling his disciples then and now that this practice is important to our spiritual lives. Why would Jesus waste time with the sermon and his words? Like as a pastor, like we don't get up here so that you can go away and say like, here, you can take these and you can make them a priority. Great. But if not, that's chill too. Like whatever you do, you boo boo, whatever. You just, you live your best life. No, when we say something, we hope that it sticks. When Jesus said, when you fast, it was important. And so in this lit series, we're going to deep dive into why prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, these are all pivotal practices in a Christian life. Like I said, Lent is 40 days, Ash Wednesday to Saturday before Easter. This year, Ash Wednesday is on February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day from God to all of us. 
we get to start fasting to March 30th. So if you're good at math, today is February 10th. February 14th is four days away. So there's a challenge for the next four days. Prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. Pray and inventory your life as it is right now. And make an intentional decision to fast something. No, it does not have to be a full-on fast and you give up every meal every day for the next 40 days. Please don't do that. I'm not doing that. That's just crazy, okay? But if that's your journey, that's your journey. You do you, you and God. You work it out. Rock on. I support you. But as disciples of Jesus in 2024, we have idols, we have distractions, we have things that steal our time, that steal our focus, that steal our attention. So over the next four days before Ash Wednesday comes, inventory those things. And I have some examples for you if you don't know what to do. Social media. What's the first thing that you go to in the morning? What's the first thing that you check? Is it you unlock your phone and go to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok? I didn't even tell a joke. (laughs) Mike did. TV or streaming service. Do you always have Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, Peacock, Disney Plus, Paramount, Amazon Prime, always on in the background because the silence makes you uncomfortable. Is it video games or games on your phone? Is it junk food? Do you run to these things for comfort instead of running to the presence of God? Candy, soda, coffee, alcohol, swearing. I know nobody in this room swears, so I can just, we can just take that one off the list. Am I right? Eating out, shopping or online shopping, sleeping in. Going to the gym too much. Overworking. Notice I said overworking. Don't call your boss and be like, look, my pastor told me I need to fast work for 40 days. It's for the Lord. A religious exemption. You wouldn't understand, but I'm taking my leave now. But the idea here when you fast is it's something that you will notice is missing. An act of self-denial, selflessness. I want you to leave that list up for a little bit, uh, Jeff. Something that almost hurts to put away. Something that almost hurts or something that does hurt to think about not being able to do it for 40 days. Not being able to check my Facebook for 40 days. Not being able to play Yahtzee for 40 days. I'm on a streak, man. Like, I spent 99 cents on the the extra dice pack. Like, I can't waste that 99 cents. Annika's shaking her head because she knows it's more than 99 cents. (laughs) Something that that just makes us uncomfortable. Coffee. Netflix. Well, it can't be Netflix. What am I going to listen to? Worship music? I don't know. I share the Spotify playlist in the email every week, so there you go. But, Nicole, it can't be Facebook. What am I going to read? The Bible? (laughs) It can't be my games. How can I stand a ride in an elevator if I can't play Candy Crush? Right? How? Anybody look at their phone when they're riding on an elevator? Okay, it's just me, so that's for me. I'm sorry. I'll... (laughs) That one's for me. I'm sorry. I'll go. Me and God will work on it. But it's about removing all of these things that we've packed into our lives that have slowly begun to push Jesus out. All the things that steal our focus and attention. 
And so it's removing those things and making room for God, making room for him to work, making room for us to hear him, to feel him, to understand his purpose for our lives. It's getting out of our own way so that God can reign in our lives. So that's our challenge this Lenten season is I want you to fast. The Lord, I know the Lord is already dealing. If it was like, if I'm talking and you're like, nope, Nicole, I can't give up that up. That's exactly what you should give up. So that's just, that's the, that's the Lord speaking to me. Holy Spirit revealed to me in this moment that you should give that up. So our challenge is to fast, but there's also a challenge of almsgiving. Not to fast just so we can deny ourselves, but also participate in the selfless love. Jesus said that there's no greater love, there's no greater selflessness than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus' life was the ultimate example of selflessness. And in this series, this Lenten season, we will be challenging you to be a good steward of your time, talent, and resources. So what does that mean? Find ways to serve at your church. Find ways to serve in your community. If you fast Starbucks or Dunkin' or online shopping, or if you fast going out to eat, or if you fast uh, shopping on Amazon, take that money and give it to your church. Give it to a nonprofit organization that aligns with your values. Buy food for the food pantry. Or buy your favorite pastor coffee instead. Like, if you really have that itch to buy coffee, I'm here most of the time. Just, I like a, 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 hot, a flat white, extra hot with two Splenda. That's my, that's my drink, so. But being selfless, being good stewards of all that we have received. And the last thing... What I believe, none of it means anything. Fasting, almsgiving, none of it means anything without God being in the middle of it, without open communication to the Father. Because if, if without prayer, it's just denying yourself coffee. Without prayer, it's just denying yourself bacon. Without prayer, it's just not looking at Facebook for 40 days. Don't just fast social media to fill that time with Netflix. Don't just fast coffee to drink more energy drinks. But in the moments when you go to pick up your phone to scroll through Facebook or the moment you go to uh, order Starbucks or Dunkin' or whatever it is, instead of doing that thing, you pray. Instead of binge-watching Friends or The Big Bang Theory or The Office for the umpteenth time, again, I'm, I guess I'm preaching to me here, or when you want to hit the snooze button, or you want to check just one more work email when you're with your family, or you just got to grab that late-night Snickers bar, it's in those moments that you need to stop, refocus. And I'm going to tell you where to start as the band comes up to close us out. In those moments when you feel like you have, you have to go back to whatever it is you're fasting. Start here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. I'm going to read it in the message version. But when Jesus says, when you pray, he tells us how to pray. And this is the Lord's prayer in the message version. He says, our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above and below. 
Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. You're in charge. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever. Amen. When you go to reach for that thing. If that's all that you know how to say, if that's all that you know how to do, if it's just Jesus, help me. Just pray. Would you stand and worship with us tonight?